Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Don, what's going on? Hey, uh, outside of uh, everything going on in, in the country right now, um, been paying a lot of attention to that, but have a little side project I'm working on, just a little quick quiz app um, that I'm making slow progress on. And uh, for the two companies, we're just, uh, we're plugging along. Uh, construction specialties uh, looked at the finances for the past two months. And even though we're down a significant amount of business, we're still maintaining just about even keel profit-wise. Um, mm-hmm. Cause we cut, we cut a bunch. We, we start, usually we use some of our employees and some subcontractors. And lately it's been a lot of just using our employees. So um, that's helped to, to at least bring the costs more into realm. Um, and then for Aspire EDU, just uh, we've got, we, we, we work with a, a, a couple of different platforms, one of them being Schoology. Mm-hmm. And Schoology is giving just just a little bit of issue right now. Um, and we're trying to work out whether it's on our end or their end. It's, it's a little bit of their API is not as, doesn't supply as much as we need. So we have to approach getting the information in different ways. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how about you? Uh, you know, when people ask me how I'm doing, all I can say is I'm extremely fortunate. Um, definitely out in the Kansas City suburbs, very isolated from all sorts of stuff that's been going on. And from a work standpoint, the company I work for, Hierology, did undergo some layoffs. Sure. And so that was, that was the first time like my i lived through layoffs with my dad having been through them personally being laid off but i've never been a part of a company most of the companies i work for have like next to no budget as it is so right. it, it's always been a matter of hey we're just shutting this whole idea down not we're laying off a chunk of the company right so that was an experience but for the most part um managing two teams on two product features and both teams are the people are doing really well. And so just all, yeah, from a, from every standpoint, very fortunate things are steady. Right. And, but that's kind of the rest of the world isn't. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. Right. I mean, last time we, t- I don't even remember the last time we recorded, but we were only talking about COVID 19, the pandemic. Right. And the side effects to business and what we were worried about. But since then, since that point, we had the death of another African American citizen by a, in the custody of a, police force in Minneapolis, George Floyd, which triggered the the protests and some rather minimal looting, I would say, when the whole scheme of things, which then it's it ignited the anger that has been going on. 
um, right. around um, how the racism of like the United the racism in the United States, um, the accountability of police officers, the the justice system as it relates to people of color, minorities. Um, but I mean, we've, to me, it's just like long overdue. It should have been happening before. Right. So in a way, I mean, I want to address the black lives matter movement as just, you know, what it means to myself and you. But I also, I think that there's some reflection I've done on our country and what it's always, what I've always thought it to be and what it actually is. Um, not to mention, I'm not going to have an episode of just Trump sucks, but I can say that my opinion is the leadership displayed out of Washington is not up to the standards, I think, of what anyone should try to model their leadership skills after. Right, right. No, it, it, you and I had a, had a long text conversation on Monday. Yeah. Um, last week. So about a week ago. Um, cause I was, I was at a, I was about as low as I'd been in a while. Um, pretty much because of the void of leadership or, or even that's probably not even strong enough. The, the presence of really bad leadership, um, and and I'm, I I, I want to leave it there because I don't want to make this about me. My 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 issues, my problems aren't aren't a big deal. It's more. <clears throat> we all should have been paying more attention. We all should have been doing more previously. Um, but it's here now, and and I fully support. Um, the efforts of everyone involved to, to make this a more, um, to, to, to actually treat the cause of the problems yeah. and not just treat the symptoms. Um, and, and I'm here for that. And, and in discussing, in discussing this with someone who is of a different political bent than I am, um, he, he, he was more focused on how this was affecting uh, retail stores and, and our business at construction specialties because he was asking if we were getting a lot of uh, work um, boarding up stores and repairing stores from looting and things like that. And I, I told him, I, I'm like, I, I, we haven't seen a lot of that, uh, mm-hmm. mainly, mainly because we don't, we don't deal in a lot of downtown locations. Most of ours is, is more r- rural Um, or, or suburban, it's not urban where all your protests are going to happen. Um, but I, I want to, just using that, I want to circle back to something you started with where you, you, you said there was minimal looting. Um, I, I, I don't want to call it minimal looting. There was a, there was looting, decent amount of looting. There, there was, there was property damage and, and the looting and the rioting is wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to downplay it because I, I want to acknowledge it and treat it as wrong because what that does is it 
severely kneecaps any argument that, well, the protesting is causing the rioting and, and it, the, the numbers just don't show that. Um, the, the, well, the I, looting and the rioting has almost disappeared to a degree. I guess what I was trying to say was if you want to focus on the looting as the biggest thing to be concerned with, it was very minimal compared to the death of George Floyd, the death of the other people at the hands of police. Sure. Like, yeah, I'm not promoting looting as something you should ignore. Arrest them. You got video of them. People have the cameras on them as they run out of a store with a TV. But all of this, all of these scenarios, all of this protesting has three major, has four major actors to it. You've got the protesters, you've got the opportunists, the people that see like, oh, no one's paying attention. I can bust through this window and go take a TV. Then you got the anarchists. Right. It's people dying for an excuse to tear shit up. And then you've got the police who are in this weird, in this completely different, like there's so many sides to their involvement in this because they are charged with keeping the peace. And they also at times instigate unpeaceful actions. And you have good police and you got bad police. Right. You, have, you have police that are not trained for these situations. There's all sort I mean, there's decades of, of controversy over how all, how the police enforce safety and what, and how their actions sometimes instigate a blow up of all those parties. And so when people are like, but looting's bad, like if, if what annoys the shit out of me is when somebody wants to talk about Black Lives Matter and then someone goes, but looting sucks. I'm like, yes, but that's not, that's not, the BLM movement is not about, is never promoting that. Like that's a side effect. That's a symptom that other people, opportunists are, are taking advantage of but it has nothing to do with the actual movement or the reason why any of this started. Right. So I feel like it's a deflection um, to even discuss it at great length, especially given that it wasn't, it, it ended very, it was a very short period of time and it didn't, it wasn't over. Like it's not something that has continued. It was ended fairly quickly. Well, and it, it's, it's another, it's also another example of um, lack of leadership at the top. And, and here I'm specifically talking about Senator Marco Rubio here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, of the two senators we have, you have Marco Rubio who had a brief stint as a Republican candidate. Um, and you have uh Senator um, Rick Scott. Of the two, I don't even bother to try and reach out to Rick Scott because he his politics are so on the right side, on the right, on the conservative side of things. Yeah. Um, that and, and he's he's his his words have never meant whatever he said. 
yeah. is always done opposite that, that it's not even worth my time. Marco Ruby, I thought was at some point somebody to work with, but over the last week, his Twitter feed is literally nothing but looting, 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 writing, 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 looting, looting, yeah. writing, writing. Antifa, 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 looting, writing, Antifa. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, and and I, I've put in a couple calls to the office and they have a place where you can just leave a message because trying to actually get through is almost useless. Um, and leaving a message may be also, also useless, but I try. Um, I'm like, listen, good. Yeah. Go after them. Good. Why don't you address what we're actually, what the, the, the cause is actually about here? Cause yeah. go, go through his Twitter feed. He doesn't touch it. It's oh, all yeah. about looting and writing and Antifa. So, I mean, I'm totally cool with any leader saying looting is bad. Stop the rioting, stop violence, but don't just, completely use your platform to ignore why everyone's angry right. what has caused the the anger and why these four parties are now on the streets in conflict because that's like you can continue to to in a in effect beat down those three parties with the police or the military which is a whole other what the hell, how did it get that far? But the, but if you completely ignore the underlying cause of the anger, we will go nowhere. We will, it will just get worse. Right. And that's where the leadership has been completely devoid. Like the fact that the NFL came out and finally said, we handled the peaceful protests wrong was like, okay, like they didn't say Cap's name, but they at least acknowledged that they had not been, that they had been for business reasons, ignoring the fact that a peaceful protest meant something that people should pay attention to. Right. And then they still get flogged on Twitter, whatever Twitter, whatever the side effect of a tweet does to you where the leadership of the nation is like, oh, but wait, you still aren't going to let them do that, right? It's like, come on. Like, at what point do you quit worrying about, like, this? the, I mean, I guess now I'm just spouting political opinions, but the flag represents the freedom, the Constitution. All these people talk about it, what the flag represents, freedom. But yet... When someone uses that freedom in a peaceful manner, there's not they're doing it wrong. Like that's the whole point. Right. And that's where if we want to circle back to what CTO think and being a leader means in tech and amongst people, it's get your priorities straight on your messaging. Right. And it just baffles me that the trivial crap keeps coming up amongst people that say that they're for solving the problems. Yeah. 
because it falls on deaf ears. Like, there's no way in hell do I believe that the leadership in place in America is actually going to focus on the problems and get anything solved right now. Right. I see Minneapolis making a bold gesture on trying to do reform. Maybe it's more than they need to do, but I don't know. It's like my mom asked me, what do you think about Minneapolis defunding the police? And I'm just like, I do not know. I know they have to do something. I know that many of us have to do something. Yeah. I don't think I don't think you can eliminate law enforcement. I think you no, can change but it. The, the, it. It's interesting. There's a before I go before I dive deep on that. It, it it's it's interesting because when all this started, you know, over a week ago, my initial focus was was back on the whole race equality thing. And this has quickly changed from a race equality discussion to a overuse of police force yeah. um, discussion, which is which is fine for me. I, I and and I hope it's fine for for those who who are protesting. I, I, everybody's got to come up with their own decisions as to what's what's good for them. I, I'm still firmly on the side of race equality. Um, but this has certainly seemed to have changed to a, what do we do about the police um, discussion? And maybe that's, maybe that's the, the, the point. Um, and I, I did some reading on this because the, 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 the hashtags abolish the police, de- defund the police. Those yeah. are strong words. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's something there. Um, and, and not everybody's going to agree and that's fine, but there's something there. It's, it's, it's more about the police should be helping the citizenry that, that, that is, that is their job is to help. So what if we turn all those funds that are used for weapons and, and, and defenses and things like that and turn and just apply that money towards social work. What if we turn the police force into really just a bunch of social workers? Um, is that helpful? It, 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 it's a discussion of the police exist because we have homeless on the streets. Well, if you applied more money to home housing, Maybe that wouldn't uh, be as big a problem. Yeah. The, the the police exist to deal with the uned, uneducated um, people out there who who behave in a in a manner that that's not conducive to civilized behavior, I guess. And and again, that's okay. So apply the funding towards education. Um, it, it, it's a case of, and there was a there was a. I don't remember the city. I want to say it was Columbus, maybe yeah, um, well, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they showed the budget and the police budget's huge, and every other department is very, very small. Well, um, so that so you, to your point there, you're spending money to for symptom management, right? You're not spending money on the debt, the societal debt of education and mental health you send police to handle mental health issues and what do they have 
what do they have with them to handle those handcuffs and guns and batons? Right. And it's like, you're not going to solve the root problem of mental health with enforcement. You solve it with treatment and prevention. And the same thing about education and unemployment. There are jobs out there for people, but the jobs are hard for people to get if they've never had the education that I've been afforded. And I had public, I've been, I've only gone to public schools. I've never gone. The only private school I went to was a Catholic preschool. And that was it. And everything else has been public. Sure. But I still had the advantage compared to a lot of people because I went to a suburban white um, elementary school and middle school. I went to, it was behind, but it was still decent compared to a lot of schools in in South Georgia, um, a public high school. And I went to a public university on a HOPE grant, which means I didn't even have any debt when I came out. Right. And think about that path for so many people who don't get to go to a good elementary school in the first place. They start off on a completely bad foot. And that's not even necessarily based on race, but you can definitely see racial disparity in the opportunities that a lot of people have versus what I was given. Sure. So, but again, going to that, to, the, to that budget, like all we're doing is saying, it's almost like people say, well, we can't guarantee that education and mental health monies will be efficient. So that's, it's a weird gamble for us to invest in those areas. We can guarantee the cops can go arrest those people and, and take them off the streets. So we're just, we take all this money and we channel it towards the symptom treatment instead of the prevention. And that's where I, when people say defund the police, at least from my perspective, that's what I hope they're talking about more than anything else. Let's reduce the number of police officers and that have to do anything because they're not qualified to do half the work as it is. They're not supposed to be mental health professionals on the street. And I mean, I think we need to take a look at the black market that has emerged on drugs on this war on drugs and stuff. That's a whole other subject. But I think sometimes we've been fighting this battle on certain like commerce markets and we're seeing that change with marijuana at least, but it's like, we aren't fixing this. Oxycontin ain't legal just to buy and sell. And we're not stopping the problem. In fact, it's gotten worse than it ever has. Right. Maybe we are attacking these problems incorrectly using badges and guns, but there's still need, like at the end of the day, you're not going to apply all everything you need to do from a financial standpoint to mental health and education and stop all domestic violence to stop right. all murder and sexual assault. You still need police. You can't get rid of law enforcement, but you can certainly do it different. And you can certainly and, and, and other countries do it different. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with American exceptionalism. I really am. It, it, it I, I, uh, there is a part of me that, that believes we got some things right. Um, and that, that, that's kind of what we, 
the, the, the makeup of what we do, we got some things right. Um, that does not mean we can't learn from others. Um, especially when something's broken. Now, the biggest problem is getting people to admit that something's broken. And that's where we are right now is maybe, maybe that's starting to happen. Um, but certainly not on a large scale, certainly not after the literally hundreds of videos of police violence this week. Um, and there are some that we can look at and go, may have been justified, but that's certainly not anywhere near to half. It's a small majority where you're like, maybe I can justify that police violence. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, is I think when you put on the badge, when you take the job of a police officer, you should know that you are not walking into a fair situation. You have you bear a greater responsibility to be to to be less trigger happy than maybe you feel safe doing. Do you like in the in the police brutality stuff? A lot of the excuses have come back as we were told to clear the square under all circumstances. Well, you know what? That's a problem with leadership. Because maybe that's not the message that needs to be said. Every interaction with a protester should say it would come should come with caveats of, "Hey, we want you to clear this square, but where? Like, but here are the scenarios in which we'll do it. Like, it's hard for me to blame a an untrained officer that's never dealt with protesters on the best way to do it." it's really up to their managers to make sure, is this the right person to have there? Like, don't, don't just put a warm body into the position of riot control. Right. Make sure that these people know what is the best way to do it. Like if you can train a guy multiple hours on how to hit a freaking target with a sniper rifle, you certainly can teach them empathy and de-escalation tactics too. And I think, and I yeah. think that there's a macho culture that says we don't want to do that. And I'm, and my thing is, well, how about you don't get very far in this career unless you do that. Right. Now, now the flip side to it is I know police officers live in a, in a employment world much different than I do. Nobody shoots at me for bad code. Right. No, I don't go into neighborhoods almost any time where I am at risk being there because I have a, I'm in a police car and I represent kind of a negative entity in that area. And I'm never involved in black market businesses that protect their turf with guns. So yes, police officers are constantly in a risk-based scenario. The problem is that what we often see is that once they have things under control, the anxiety of that risk is continues to boil over. And that's where it's like, okay, this, whoever is in this position is taking it too far. And then the, the court systems 
the, the police unions and the court systems are in a very effective pair for erasing accountability around the mistakes. Right. And that is what has ultimately caused the problems we're seeing right now is the lack of accountability. Like, I don't, I, I, I cannot, I'm not surprised at the anger because I was angry when Philando Castile was shot in Minneapolis. Was it two years ago? Three years ago? The guy that was shot in his car next to his girlfriend? I was like, how, yeah. is, how is this not boiling over? And then it just went away. And the jury didn't, like, there's all sorts of factors into it. But I'm like, if, a, if, a, if anybody in the line of employment can just say, I take no responsibility for mistakes because I was af- I'm afraid to be in the position in the first place, it's like, then the system isn't working. Yeah, I, I, it, it, it obviously goes back farther than that. I, and we, we all have things that trigger us. And Trayvon Martin, yeah, that happened 10, 15 minutes from my house. When it happened, and when I saw the direction the lawyer was going with mm-hmm. the, the, well, first off, the, when the Stand Your Ground Act was passed, I was like, this is a problem. Yeah. Um, but when I saw that's the direction the lawyer was going, I'm like, he's getting off. There, there's, there's no way there's going to be a conviction here. Um, and, and that, that talks to the whole legal system getting in the way. And, and again, leadership at the top, allowing laws like that to be passed. In fact, pushing for laws like that to be passed. I grew up 20 minutes away from the, where the jogger Arbery was killed. Like that was, yeah, it was a 20 minute drive from where my parents live. I think when I look at the map and I mean, I know the area, the neighborhood and I can't say I was surprised by any of it. It's no. been a, it's been a good old boy, good old white boy network down there forever. The, the, I mean, when I was in high school, the police ran their own gambling ring. So like there's no respect for the actual law and there's always been a complete imbalance on racial around the, along the racial lines and the economic lines along, along those same lines. It's been well-maintained as to who has money down there. And then you get a situation like this and I'm like, Oh yeah, it, I'm surprised it wasn't six months before they started up something like the only thing that is actually like video is the only thing that is making any of this more relevant to people. Right. Is that it's very hard to refute what we're seeing. But right. we've, but the, the thing is, we've seen videos of this stuff before. And juries, like a jury system lets folks off the hook. And I'm like, there has to be accountability for the bad apples. And, and to to some small degree, and I don't, I, I I'm not a lawyer. Um, to some small degree, the juries let them off because the laws are in place to yeah. grant law enforcement a, a wider berth in what they can do, and that yeah. that has to go away. They have to law enforcement has to be held accountable as citizens first. Yeah. So. Um, so uh, as far as all this goes, what I'm 
there's 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 only so much I can do. But what I, what I've committed to do is to learn more, um, yeah. to read more, to watch more, to engage more. Um, uh, there 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 was a nice um, there's a nice Google Doc that two ladies put together um, called Justice in June, and you can hit it at uh, Bitly slash June Justice. Um, that gives you lots of resources to read and watch and listen to and think about. Um, the other thing I, I've committed to doing is previously on on Facebook, I've I, we all have family members who believe differently than we do. Yeah. Um, and I've not engaged in the past um, just because I felt it was to some degree worthless. Um, I've given up on I, I've I've changed my mind on that. Um, I'm not letting family members get away with lazy arguments repeated from various conservative sources, um, various straw men being built, various reactions yeah. being thrown up. I'm, I'm now calling people out on it. Um, I'm, I'm done playing nice. Um, and I'm going to engage and make them regret posting something lazy. If you, if you want to have a thoughtful discussion on the issue and how we treat it, great. We'll have that, but yeah. don't be lazy with your argument. Yeah. I've probably done too good of a job of filtering out the jackasses in my life. Um, I would say that I may have had a heated discussion with one person just to, they just gave a common rebuttal as to why racism goes both ways kind of thing. And I'm just like, until you understand how class structure works in this country, don't come at me with the one situation you saw early on, like 20 years ago as a reason not to care about this movement. But that was, that, that was it. Like on Facebook, I I have one African American friend who, um, like this one particular friend, has a very, um, I don't want to call it patriotic. He's got a very single-minded view on how America is perfect and racism doesn't exist. And I'm like, why do you keep listening to this dude and let him comment on your stuff? He's like, he just keeps everything in balance that I know that there's people like him still out there. So I just, and I just basically post back memes to the dude just to kind of get him stirred up. But that's the only, like, that. truly I don't have almost anybody I associate with on Facebook and Twitter is a pretty much an echo chamber that I'm very confident is not an ignorant echo chamber. But it's just not, I just don't converse with enough people that spout, um, narrow-minded um views on what's going on yeah Um, and and i've tried not to opine myself on on things i i feel like i feel giving my opinion is is not necessarily helpful it's not my experience it's not my yeah something i've grown up in so i don't think that's i've tried to amplify um is what I've tried to do over the past week is just try to amplify those who are affected, those who do have life experiences that they're the ones to amplify at the moment. Um, and, and let them express what's going on. 
So um, that's what I've been trying to push on. So I guess without going more into our personal opinions, what does a manager of a, like a technical manager do in this scenario, especially a white one that you, you have privilege. You obviously you are not affected by a lot of the debate going on. Right. Uh, Like what is your role in this? Okay. So, so we're back to the different issues being that, that we're talking about. Um, when it comes to um, overuse of force by the police, I'm not sure there's a lot that can be done as a manager in a corporate role for that. Yeah, um, we're we're talking we're back to the racial well, equality. No, I'm just, I'm just I'm I'm thinking more about how you converse with your employees. Not not to say that you need to change how right. you like you like you've been doing something wrong. I'm talking much more about how do you address it? Like, and it, it's that, not, as, that's an excellent question because I don't, I don't think it's, it's tough. Um, because I'm perfectly fine on Facebook telling a relative that their argument is lazy and that they need to really understand the issue or they need to, to better state their argument if they're going to come at me with something. Yeah. As as a manager to employees, you have a you have a responsibility to to <laughs> I'm not to make sure all employees can speak. Um but maybe there's there's those side communications of this is not your lane, stay out of your lane for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um again, it it, it people are allowed their, their opinions. Um, when it comes to workplace harmony, you, that, that there are things that a manager has to look at when it comes to workplace harmony, but maybe, and this is, this is what I've been arguing with, with allies about is maybe harmony isn't what we need at the moment. Um, yeah, there's definitely a desire to keep things stable as a manager. I mean, that's right. And, and, but, but that's what I'm saying, but is that the right thing? Oh, probably. That's yeah. I'm agreeing with you. That's, that's where I'm struggling (laughs) is I don't think it's necessarily the right thing. Well, I think one, you listen. I mean, right. The last thing I want to do is to reach out to anyone I know who's African American and put the burden on them to make me feel better about the state of the world. Like, it's not on them to say, hey, Randy, I know you don't feel this way. Don't worry about it. Like, that's not what, like, the only thing that I have said to people is, how are you doing? Right. Can Can I help in any way? But I also don't expect them to give me that outlet. Like, it's not up to them to make me feel better at all. So I feel bad about the state of the world. I feel bad about the state of things but it's not their job. Like they've got a, the burden is way more on them to live in it. Right. It's not their job or their responsibility to make me feel good about it. And so, and it's not their job to solve the problem. I mean, it really, to me, it starts at the very top of the chain, which is 
the white people of America to really enact the change. The people in power, the people at the top of the game, have to change how the game is played. Right. And so when I think when you're in a leadership position, and if you have someone who is of a minority status, it is up to you to to listen to what they have to say, but also to relieve them of any burden to be the representative of all of it to you. And, and maybe that's maybe that's the manager's job is to get out there and educate the workforce on here's here are some thoughts on how to approach this issue here and and everybody take it into it and take out of it what you're going to but here are some resources for you to to look at um and you can give your opinion by giving the right resources i guess is what i'm saying yeah and i mean i i do think communication is key um whatever you do, don't try to be, don't try to joke around and be funny about stuff. Like, I feel like I see a lot of people that want to make jokes or to liven the mood. And it's like, I know you want stability and things to get back to normal, but if you're not a professional comedian, there's very little you can say that is worth laughing at about these things. Right. And yeah, I mean, I hear a lot of I hear a lot of these triggered white guys go by. I can't say anything. There's nothing I can say. Everything I say is wrong. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you're right. Like they're complaining about how unfair it is. And I'm like, it is nowhere near as unfair as how, to how all this works in real life. Right. Your inability to say the right thing in these circumstances to get easily canceled or whatever is as bad as it gets for you. So just keep your mouth shut unless you really know what you're saying is going to be helpful and be supportive, but don't feel the need for your opinion to matter as much unless you're doing something that will enact change. And like, in a way I'm just saying, maybe your biggest job is to absorb the angst of people to be, to take that brunt of, Hey, you did not cause racism, but you may perpetuate it by saying the wrong thing. So it's on you to be, to either say the right thing or to shut up more than you probably are used to. And that's maybe as good as it gets for you, but it's not that bad. That's the thing. It's just, if you have to shut up a little bit more and that's all the the side effect of this is you just don't have much to complain about. (laughs) It's probably benefit to society that you stop talking and start listening a little more. Yeah. And, and don't feel like you have to have every solution to the problem. I mean, I know that's the manager's role is to provide solutions, get things fixed, keep, keep things stable. But this is a bigger problem than all of us or than each. There's no one person that's going to solve all this. Even the people in the Oval Office, they can't solve it all themselves. They certainly can do a lot more than I can to quit perpetuating it. But they it's not all on them either. It's, it's all it's on a collective group of people to recognize that 
things haven't changed since the 60s and 70s that we thought had. And we need to continue to do more. But we don't get there by pushing back on the argument as it comes to us. Like the argument's being delivered in a certain way. And it's been, and right now the, the tagline is Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And that doesn't mean excluding out other groups of concern. It means that this is what the, the moral of this argument is. Right. You, you do not have to justify the all lives matter or the blue lives matter to combat it. It's not right. a dirty word just to say black lives or a dirty phrase to say black lives matter. I think the best comparison is that we don't celebrate nine 11 by saying all buildings matter. Right. We don't, we don't combat violence like school shootings by saying, well, not just elementary schools, but colleges too. Like nobody would come back at a stop school shootings and say, well, post offices are important as well. Like nobody would freaking say that. Right. But people feel this need to fight back on the BLM movement because they feel excluded by it. And and maybe they're, they're uncomfortable and, and feeling a little guilty and, and trying to, trying to feel better. Who knows? Yeah. And in feeling that guilt, is something that people have to come to terms with, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I like I said at the beginning of this, people ask me how I'm doing, and I'm like, I am fortunate as hell. Like, I, I, there's no other way to say it. Am I guilt? Do I feel guilty about it? <sighs> yeah. Like, I don't face half the issues that people in this country do. Have I used, Have I made decisions that have and reinforced it. Yes. Did I, did I build up from the ground up? Like, like the literal, like I had no supporting cast to help me get here. Hell no, I had tons and a system that was balanced in my favor. Always is. I always walk into any room as a white male and I've got an advantage over any other classification. Right. And, do I, do I exploit it? I try not to, I don't, I don't actively um, do anything to do that. But I also know if, if I just act like myself and act like a normal person, I am 90% there. And recognizing that is part of like, maybe guilt comes along with it, but overreacting to that guilt is also part of the problem that I see with a lot of people, especially white men. Right. And as a manager, you have to recognize that too with any other classification, any person in any other class that you interact with, um, understanding that and in a way recognizing it to them. Cause a lot, the other thing that I'll say about people interacting with, with, a, with anyone that a white male, it's because people are getting educated. People don't know where you stand all the time. And it may be up to people to vocalize 
what they are like what they're willing to support and and that they understand that they have privilege right i mean i made it a big point to my students to say like hey i recognize this i'm gonna give you advice it may not be as easy for you to implement it i said that to women developers a number of times I will not ignore the fact that this is a male-driven, white male-driven world in the United States. And I didn't ask, like, I didn't want people to applaud me for saying that. I wanted to make sure that people knew nothing that I was recommending to them was just like some easy piece of cake advice all the time. Right. And I think that's another responsibility of managers in in this type of scenario to understand that, hey, everything that worked for you may not work the same for everyone you give the advice to. And how you deal with this kind of, how I deal with the, the, the white male guilt scenario is still easier than dealing with the actual disparity of racial inequality. For sure. And it's up to you at the top to handle that well. To handle it better and not get angry over it okay that's all i got i think yeah i agree but it's i mean it's loaded it's all loaded conversation it, it is it is and it's a it's a case of it's it's not something you're going to solve or, or even be stuck in your opinions on immediately yeah um it's something to sit and, and work through and 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 know that all your employees are doing the same So what are you, what are you working on, on the, I know we're going to talk about this on this old app one day, but you said you're working on a view app quickly, quickly describe what you're doing. Yeah. It's, it's quickly just a, um, it's a, it's a quiz app. So for, for officiating really. So for football officiating the, in the off season college officials get, all sorts of tests to, to work through, to, to work through play scenarios. Mm-hmm. And, and they're all on paper and they're PDFs and, and they're, they're, they're hard to take with you. Um, so I, I want something that if I'm standing in line somewhere on a phone, I can just pull up an app and just work through a couple of, of play situations and, and, and re hit them, hit them a few times until I get them right. Yeah. Um, and if I just do that over and over and over again, I'll be better at it. But, um, it's actually come a long way in, in about a week and a half time. It's, it's, it's fully workable right now to where um, there's, there's a question, there's three tro- answer choices. It lights up red or green, depending on whether you got it right or wrong. It shows the answer, it moves on the next question, so on and so forth. So um, the next step is going to be to log in to track your progress. And that at that point, that'll be version 1.0. So your CTO... And we've yep. talked, and I've given you plenty of hell about being a CTO trying to code. But you, do you find yourself when you're working on the tech, trying to get into the view and learn view and, and and build this tool, when you're interrupted by non-technical problems, whether it's family, job, whatever, are you over? Are you more frustrated with those other problems trying to invade your? technical concentration at times i also know that uh my attention span is not what it's been in the past Mm -hmm. so when i've been working on this 
I can probably only go a couple hours at a time yeah. before my attention f- goes somewhere else. And I can't, I can't concentrate on the problem I'm trying to solve. Yeah. So um, it's essentially down to trying to make one thing work at a time. If I make that one thing work, I go away and I do something else and I come back to it the next day or so to try and make the next thing work. Interesting. Yeah. It's people, people have been asking me lately about, cause I'm in this role of almost hundred percent management and communications versus the, any kind of architecture and coding. And they're like, so could you go, would you want to do the coding again? And I'm, I'm, I feel like only if I get back to 50, 50, like I, I feel like this yeah. 80, 20, 70, 30, like 70% management, 80% management and 20%. It's almost like it's a waste of time for me to be coding that small chunk. You certainly, my, my, my deep understanding of view and Netlify and Vuetify and all the different tools I'm using is not deep. It is, how do I make this work? Where's the Google link that'll show me how to make this work? You ask me how Vue works, eh, I can probably explain it to you to some degree. Um, but a deep understanding is not really possible. And if um, related, uh, we've talked about building a couple tools within the Microsoft ecosystem for construction specialties. One of the, one of my uh, dispatchers came back to me last week, said this tool's not quite working. So I had to dive in. I had to spend a little bit of time to reacquaint myself with what was going on only to discover it wasn't really the problem of the tool. It was really on her end, but it it was a case of, I don't remember how this works. Now I got to go back through it again. Yeah. Which is part of part of what you were saying when you're like, is this really something you want to do or should somebody else do it? Yeah. Um, but I was able to make it cool. All right. That's an episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, and yeah. this, this conversation won't stop. No, it won't. What, no, that's it, important. Yeah. It doesn't end today. Not at all, but it ends right now for the podcast. Yep. Today. All right. We will, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Then. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week.